Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Four Checking TV. I'm your host, Doug Glackey, and tonight, and uh, tonight I'm joined by my co-host Scotty Porterfield. Um, and obviously, it happened. They got him. Ricard Raquel is indeed a Pittsburgh Penguin. Scotty, what are you thinking? Uh, Ricard Raquel to Pittsburgh for Zach Aston Reese. Dom Simone, a second-round pick, and goaltending prospect, Callie Clank. Yeah, I mean, obviously, leading into today, we heard all the rumors about how, you know, Pittsburgh was talking with Vancouver, and we heard Besser's name and, and uh, Connor Garland get thrown around. We also heard Raquel. It was obvious that uh, Rutherford wasn't going to budge on uh, on either of the other two guys, so mm-hmm. Penguins were able to work something out with Anaheim. Uh, it was a little, I was a little surprised to see they had to throw in both Aston Reese and Simone in order to make that work at, at first the original report came out that it was just a prospect a roster player and a pick so the fact they had to work in too was a little surprising but at this point I think you know Ron Hextall recognized that hey I have to make a deal here to strengthen our top six and he was willing to do whatever it took and it came with the price of uh, their best defensive forward at uh, Aston Reese but as long as it bolsters a scoring effort which I think is going to be the x factor and this team head into the postseason, then that's all that matters. Yeah, and I don't think they – I think they just threw Simone in just simply because they were going to have to put him on waivers anyway because after um, this – the early morning acquisition of uh, Nathan Beaulieu from Winnipeg, um, it looks like they're going to go back to the 13-forward 8-D set that they used to run with um, whenever Jim Rutherford was here um, where they'll just have two defensemen be healthy scratches. Um, and honestly, um, they could have done a whole hell of a lot worse. Um, you know, I mean, I think you, you and I are used to the old regimes where if it's down to the wire, they don't make a deal right away. They end up with like, I mean, remember that year they ended up with Lee Stepniak and mm-hmm. that yeah, was like, yeah, that was it. Marcel Gosh, yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm glad they were able to get this done. Um, Obviously, um, worth noting, the Ducks retained 35% of his contract, which means he's going to be like a $2.47 million cap hit for the rest of the year, Um, which allows them to stay cap compliant. Um, They're not really messing with that. They don't have to go without players or whatever it may be. And... um, you know, the exciting thing is that um, they didn't trade Evan Rodriguez. They didn't trade Kasperi Kapanen. And they've sat it up where when all things are clicking, this third, this 12 forward set that they run right now might be one of the better ones they've had since the back-to-back sailing cover. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely got that potential, I'd say, to uh, to be there. Obviously, a lot of obviously the guys actually have that are on the team actually have to make it work, of course. So that's the uh, the big X factor there. But over, I'm honestly looking back on this deal. I was just going back to it. I was a little surprised that of the players that they did trade away. Now, just looking at who the Penguins still have left over, I was surprised that uh, Pedersen wasn't a part of the move. I think I think that was the one that caught me off guard the most. I figured he was going to be a part of that, but because um, that, I mean, obviously uh, Burke went on Sportsnet and said that Marino wasn't going to be a part of anything. 
So I figure, okay, you bring in Bolio. You have to figure that, you know, a defenseman was getting moved out, but it was just the two forwards. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, a forward court, it's definitely got that potential to be, you know, one of the better ones. But, again, a lot of things have to go right in order for that to happen. Yeah, exactly. You know, and the nice thing about it is if they were going to trade a defenseman, I, I was worried they were going to fall into the pitfall of they short up a position of weakness by creating another position of weakness within the blue line. Because I need, I know we were talking about earlier whenever Besser and Garland became a pro- possibility of them trying to get Mark Pysik from Buffalo or somebody like that, hoping they'd be able to replace John Marino or Marcus Pedersen. But now we don't need to worry about that. Um, obviously he went the rental route and it's not great, but like at the same time, like if it gets you to where they, where they want to be, who cares? You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying, Oh, they might resign, extend Ricard Raquel. We don't know what's going to happen because they have way too many other important pieces to take care of before they even prioritize the idea of bringing Ricard Raquel back beyond the season. So with that, I mean, really it's just like you put him with Malkin and just let him, let him just run wild at this point, because the best years of his career were on a line with Ryan Getzlav and Ryan Getzlav was probably at the height of his game. Um, you know, those back-to-back 30 goal seasons came whenever he was playing with Getzlav and Andre Kasha. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and then Getzlaff fell off a little bit. He just got kind of lost in the shuffle. Um, and I mean, played with Zegers a little bit here and there this year. But the big thing is, is he's able to play with an elite center, and he's able to play with a big center with size. So I'm not really worried about his game translating to um, playing on Evgeny Malkin's line. And plus, we also have to keep in mind. Former teammates, Marcus Pedersen, Danton Heinen. There's a lot of familiarity between the three, these three, those three guys. And I think that's going to make his transition into Pittsburgh much more smoother than it would have been had they gone a different route. So do you think like potentially if Brian Russ does decide to go somewhere else in free agency that they have, that they brought kind of brought in Raquel's maybe like a a safety net of sorts? I think he could easily be a fallback option because, um, I mean, obviously we don't know how much he's going to get or how much he's projected to make. It all really depends on how he does in the playoffs. You know, if he, if he has a good playoff, man, forget it. Like he might get more money than rust, you know? So that's one of those things where he has the pedigree and if he has a good playoff, he's going to go cash out because his first contract was so team friendly that he has one more chance to cash out before he's slowing down, you know? I mean, really that's pretty much the same thing for Brian Rust, you know, like they're very similar players in very similar boats. And, you know, I don't think it's a one or the other thing. I mean, it, there's potential that, you don't, you don't pay them both, you know? Yes. Yeah. So I want to also run past the, uh, the bully trade with you. Cause I mean, when I first saw it, I didn't really understand why, you know, like it was, it was kind of confusing to me. It's like, 
the Penguins are already loaded up on defensemen to begin with. I didn't think we needed to bring in another one, especially a, a left-hand one, because we already have plenty of them to go around. You have Matheson, Dumoulin, Pedersen, Rikola, if you count him, POJ, and now you have this guy. So I don't, I didn't really understand why the, why we had to felt the need to bring this guy in. I think they had a trade working earlier in the day where they were going to trade to send Marcus Patterson somewhere for a top six forward. And then it fell through. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I have a, you know, who knows it might come out. It might not, but I mean, I think that they might've had something really cooking with Detroit or Vancouver and then it fell through because, you know, they kind of, just threw this Raquel trade together at the last possible moment. Um, Cause for the longest time, the report was he was going to get traded to Boston and Jake DeBrusque was going to be a part of the return. But instead this happened. So, you know, something's telling me that like two forty-five, Ron Hextall called uh, the uh, called Pat for beak. It was like, Hey man, what do you, what do you got? What are you thinking? And they just cooked this thing up on the fly because I mean, although Aston Reese was healthy scratched for a couple games, it is a little bit of a shock to see him go in a sense. Um, you know, because it's it's a guy that they valued so highly. I mean, Sullivan and um, Hextall both love him, but um, at the same time, that's good for um, good for Anaheim because they needed to get one of those defensive minded forwards back after they traded Nick DeLaurier to Minnesota, you know, because like, although Aston Reese isn't nearly as physical as Nick DeLaurier, when you look at their um, defensive zone impacts, they're very similar players in terms of defensive zone impacts and uh, penalty killing. So, you know, that was good for the Ducks to find the replacement there. And I'm sure that they'll probably start working on an extension to keep them in. Anaheim for a little bit there because he he could be a nice piece to their puzzle for sure. Yeah, without a doubt. So obviously you have to figure <clears throat> that he'll probably that uh, Raquel will probably begin on uh, on Gino's line. Who's the guy that gets bumped? Would you, if you had to guess, are you bumping Kapanen or Rodriguez or not even not Rodriguez? Well, like what do you, what do you think the shake the shakeup will be now? So Rust will go back up with Sid figured rodriguez will go back down actually we're gonna i'm just gonna throw an entire lineup at you because it's gonna be the way the way it shakes out you're gonna be really surprised they'll do so this is like when they're fully healthy whenever zucker comes back i think we're close to that i think we're two to three weeks away from him getting ready to rejoin um you know you'd have gensel crosby rust heinen malkin raquel zucker carter kapanen and because of how good Evan Rodriguez is defensively, your fourth line would be McGinn, Teddy Bluger, and Evan Rodriguez. Yeah. It's the best of both worlds, man, because you got a, you got a fourth line that can shut you down defensively, but also can score goals. Sounds kind of weird, honest, low key. Just 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 hearing it, obviously, because you know you're used to hearing Reese's name there, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's like it's like how um after they gave up Tanev, how we had to like adjust because we were so used to Tanev being that guy. Now it's like same deal. Yeah. But, you know, and then like if they have to shake up the lines right away, I mean, we got to keep in mind, Ricard Raquel can play all three forward positions. 
So like if they need a shake up on those lines, I'd expect Danton Heinen to go down to the fourth, Raquel to shuffle to left wing and Erod go back up into the top six with Gina. Mm. Or vice versa, maybe Sid bumping Russ down or something like that. But the the possibilities are endless, you know. I don't think Kapanen's going to play every game down the stretch here. I think, you know, he's going to become somewhat of like how Carl Hagelin was in 2017, where, you know, if there was a guy that Mike Sullivan was going to pull to like shake up the lineup, like where, you know, would be like, okay, you know, you know how it was like, it would be like, okay, why the hell is Carl Hagelin scratched for Josh Archibald? And then Josh Archibald would have a big moment and you'd be like, okay, like whatever. Yeah. can't really complain with that. So I think that we're looking towards that where Kapanen may not play every day in the playoffs. And, you know, I mean, they have such great forward depth and defensive depth that Mike Sullivan can really do whatever the hell he wants in terms of matchups. And I think that that's going to make this team a lot harder to play against than what people realize. Definitely has that potential. Like you said, um, <clears throat> I think this is going to be a great, Thing for Raquel, like you mentioned, you know, he's used to playing with the big center like uh Malkin. He had it with Getzlaff. The thing about Raquel is like he's not going to create, he can't create his own scoring opportunities. He needs someone that's going to help him do it. Who better to do it than Evgeny Malkin? Yeah. And I mean, honestly, when you think about it, Danton Heinen's the perfect third wheel for that line, you know. And even if they did end up needing to shuffle it up and put Rodriguez there, it would be the same principle. Yeah, you know, um, because Heinen and Malkin have that weird thing going. It reminds me of how um, him and Fedotenko were whenever Fedotenko was in Pittsburgh. Mm. You can't explain why. There's really no rhyme nor reason as to why it works, but it just, it's just, it's a good little partnership going right now between Danton Heinen and Evgeny Malkin. You know, and um, yeah. yeah. That is where we stand as of now, I guess. So we'll see just how effective this roster can be. Because obviously a lot of other teams made some pretty big moves today. I feel like we got to get into some of these other ones that, uh, that that went down as well. Yeah. Now, can I just start off by saying I think the Panthers are going to get bounced in one of the first two rounds? Hot take, but I'll, but I'll entertain it. It reminds – the what they did reminds me so much of – 2013. Yeah. Yep. It's like you have a historically bad playoff goalie. You load it up. You took out some of the uh, guys of your defensive group to accommodate players who are bad. I mean, I'll go as far as saying yeah. that, you know, you shouldn't be giving up all those assets for Ben Sherrod. And Robert Haig is an NHL replacement level defenseman at this point. Um. You know, and honestly, man, like Giroux is going to be great for them, but like at the same time, it's going to be like, how much can he actually do? You know, it's a unique situation because this isn't like how this isn't like a 36 or 37 year old Jerome McGinley type deal. Like the dude is still kind of young, he can still make things happen, and I think having the lack of pressure that he had in um, Philly with where they were at, with the fact that they were gearing up towards a, towards a 
true legitimate rebuild, I think he could easily just run wild up on that top line with Barkov. You know, but you just got to wait and see. Yeah, there's definitely uh, the potential, I'd say, as far as, you know, where he could end up playing. Because obviously people have uh, kicked the tires on where he could end up at. But, I mean, it's a good – like you said, it comes down to just the fact of do they have too many cooks in the kitchen there in Florida right now. I mean, here's – let's think of it this way. So, right now, if you're the Panthers, you're probably looking at that first line, probably going to end up being what Verhage, Barkov, and Giroux. Yeah. Then you have Huberto, Bennett, and Duclair. Marchmitt, Lundell, probably Reinhardt on the third line. Mm-hmm. And then you have Lomberg with Luostrinen and Hornquist, probably. Uyghur, Ekblad, Forsling, Gudis, and then Sherratt and Montour. And then you have Bob and Knight, essentially. So, I mean – Yeah, they're definitely, I mean, you know, they're they're definitely loading up right now, and for good reason. I'd say it's going to be, uh, they're not waiting around to see if they, if you know, they think they have a team that can win right now, and I understand, I get that, but a lot of sacrifices were made in order for that to work. So, yeah, it is, um, it's interesting. I mean, I think that. I think their third line when they're fully healthy can be as good as anyone's though, because it's going to be Marchment, Lindell and Reinhardt, you know, and like, honestly, like, I mean, that's, that's like HBK type line, you know, like that's like, that could be a first line on a lot of NHL teams. Yeah. And people would eat it up. They'd love it. You Mm -hmm. know? So that's a unique situation from being in. Like the big thing is, is like they still have Joe Thornton. Yeah, it'll be a healthy yeah. scratch on that team now. Yeah, I mean either that or else they pull Lusterinen or Achari. But like they have a lot of good forward depth options, um, you know. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm I'm worried about Tampa. Like I'm afraid of Tampa now. Like they. They did what they needed to do, um, in my opinion. The Colton-Paul-Hagel line is pretty similar to Coleman, or, yeah, to Coleman and Gaudreau. Yeah, that unit they had, yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, I think that that's going to be big for them and that they're going to be – dominant again you know and honestly that might that might that might be enough to take the panthers out too you know and like that's the other thing that's like weird is like they're loading up for something that isn't a sure thing Mm -hmm. there is no clear path out of their division um you know because you have tampa you have tampa who has been giving you fetch. You've been playing little brother Tampa for years. I mean, if they get the goaltending situation figured out, Toronto is as good as anyone. If they get the goaltending situation figured out, because the forwards well, are actually clicking right now with the exception of the Tavares line. That's one big if right now, you know? And I mean, I mean, Boston could get hot out of nowhere. 
and screw you up big time. It's just a matter of how it's going to go. And, um, you know, but honestly, man, a lot of the better moves that happened at the deadline, in my opinion, came out West. Like, I think the, uh, I think the Minnesota wild had a wonderful trade deadline. Yeah. Because they got flurry and then they used Kakanen to go get Jake Middleton, who is one of the more underrated defensive defensemen that you'll find in the league. Um, he's, he's most comparable right now to like, in my opinion, he reminds me a lot of like what Brian Dumoulin was during the first cup where he's unproven, but he has the potential to be a stalwart on your defense for years to come. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, I didn't expect that one to, to kind of pop up there getting Middleton for, uh, for Kakinen, but I mean, Tip your hat to Billy Garen. He made it work, obviously. And they addressed the huge problem that they had in that you had to get a goaltender because you, know, you could kind of see Cam Talbot wasn't really get, you know, Cam Talbot wasn't going to be the guy's. He's like, he's best when he's in a tandem, kind of like what they had, but he can't be the guy that leads you into the playoffs. And you go out and you get Flurry. Now you make that happen. Now it's kind of like, you know, a situation that Flurry is pretty familiar to at this point. Hey, if this guy, you know, doesn't hold up his end of the bargain. I'm ready to step in and do what I need to do. If not, you know, I can wear a hat and ride out as far as, as long as I need to. So yeah, Minnesota definitely had a great deadline for sure. Yeah, they definitely did. Um, you know, the Rangers did good too. I mean, they went out and in terms of just like, you know, their, their big issue was just they didn't have a bottom six. They went out and got themselves an entire third line. Yeah which, you know, it's going to be helpful for him. Um, I mean, if you throw, like, let's say you throw, um, like, Vetrano with Cop and Barclay Goudreau, that reminds you a lot of what the uh, Lightning had cooking in Tampa. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it, it gives you that, those type of vibes. And not even that, I mean, Andrew Kopp is pound for pound the best penalty killer in the league. That is, it's like, you know, he's like the Phil Kessel of the PK. Um, it's just, he's just like an assassin out there on the penalty kill. And, you know, that's going to be something, I mean, that's something they need help with. I mean, don't get me wrong. They have a lot of good defensive-minded forwards, but, like, if you can have the best penalty kill guy on your roster, why the hell not? Yeah, definitely. That's <clears throat> That was the key was they, you know, they had all that scoring up top. Obviously, you have Panarin, you have Zibanejad, you have Chris Kreider who's playing really well right now, but you need to solidify that bottom six. They did that, obviously, bringing in those guys. You get Frank Petrano, you bring in a, uh, a Tyler Mott and a Andrew Kopp. Those are guys that can solidify your bottom six, and they're going to be able to uh, to do what they need to do and make your team that much more effective. I'd say that, you know, they're going to – I mean, you have to be realistic here. That could easily be a team that the Pens end up facing in round one. I mean, that's that's going to be a slugfest. I'm here for it, though. And the other guy they brought in, too, that uh, people aren't really talking about was was uh, Braun. I liked, I didn't think that – I thought the Justin Braun signing was pretty good for them, too. Yeah, that's a really good trade for them because, you know, 
I think what they're trying to do is they have Niels Lundqvist up on their roster right now, and he's been doing really, really well as of late. But they, I think that what they're trying to do is they're trying to find um, a way to like get a good partner for him, similar to how Keandre Miller has Jacob Truba. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, the same could go for Braden Schneider as well, trying to get a good partner for Braden Schneider. Because, like, I mean, you have Lindgren and Fox, Miller and Truba. You got to find that one last element to go into your third pair with either Niels Lundqvist or Braden Schneider, in my opinion. Um, You know, because Libor Hayek ain't it. Libor Hayek is not not good like at all um you know and another team that had a really really good deadline was calgary um obviously they got a lot of their business done kind of early in the game getting uh tyler to from uh montreal but like i mean ryan carpenter was a good acquisition and then um another really good one was them getting cal yarncrook um you know, not only is that a good piece for your top nine, it's also Elias Lindholm's cousin. So, like, that's going to do wonders for him. You know, that's going to help him along a lot. And, I mean, right now, your third line in uh, Calgary is Blake Coleman, Cal Yarncroke, and Andrew Mangiapane. There aren't a lot of teams in the league that can match up with that thing. Like, yeah. that is – that's good stuff. Also – Wildest thing ever. Sean Monahan's the fourth line center on that team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they have uh, they have Backlund with Dubé and Kachuk for some reason. Still, I mean, though, Monahan, I, mean, I mean, like we've talked about this before. How Monahan just you know he's not really clicking with this with this system that uh, that Daryl Sutter's got going on, obviously, but. Yeah, maybe it's, I don't know if this is because you know we're in the states and we don't we're out we're out east and we don't pay attention to Calgary as much. That team's a legitimate cup contender. Oh yeah, you know, like they're they're legitimate and we don't talk about them that much. Like 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 I said, but I mean, you look at how well Gutierrez played. You look at how well this team has adjusted. Daryl Sutter. You think about how bad it, how bad things started out there at first when Sutter got there to where they're at now. Complete one eighty. You know, yeah, you got to your credit where it's due it's a, they've done a great job turning things around there that's a legitimate team to, to you know keep an eye out for come playoff time for sure yeah you know and the big thing is is like i mean they have four really good lines you know i mean that fourth line can score too um and they're also they're all pretty darn good defensively as well um and that's that's, that's going to be a big deal, especially in the Western Conference, because, um, you know, you get you get matched up against a good bit of those Western Conference teams and you got you get those guys that don't really have like legitimate bottom sixes. It's a lot of defensive minded um, type forwards, similar to what the Penguins were doing for the longest time with the uh, Aston Reese, Bluger, Tanov or Brock McGinn line, um, you know, but. I'll be real with you, man. Calgary is my favorite to come out of the West. Mm. Um, obviously, Colorado might just steamroll everybody, but if there was one team that's going to knock them off, it's going to be Calgary. 
Yeah, well, Sutter said himself, you know, what was the quote about, like, enjoying the eight days or whatever it was called, whatever he said about it. Yeah, Colorado was uh, a team that had to, you know, make some – that obviously is probably in good shape right now. I don't know what kind of moves they made. They brought in Cogliano and uh, Arturi Lekkinen as well. Yeah. They obviously made, they made the trade for Josh Manson, and they uh, they had Nico Stern as well they brought in. So, you know, they made a couple adjustments, obviously, but those are just minor tweaks. This team needs to make something happen, make some noise in the postseason. I mean, have they been to a conference final yet since they got McKinnon? No. I didn't I think, think so. so. Yeah, I don't think they've been to the conference. So, you haven't made it past the second round in quite some time. Probably been longer since since uh, since McKinnon's been there, if I had to guess. But yeah, something's got to come together for this team. I mean, this you know they're they're too good to keep falling short. It's not like you know a Toronto case where it's like, all right, you can see the faults in this team. Like right now, Toronto doesn't have any goaltending. I don't care what they say about this this new guy that they keep bringing in. Uh, Caligreen or however you say his that's name. That's just that's just all Canadian propaganda. We know. all know the, we all know the wheels are going to fall off the bus they for are, that guy at some point. They are begging and they are praying that this guy does what Jack Campbell did last year, and I don't see that happening at all. Them signing Harry Sateri was a great thought too, until the Coyotes were like, you know what, we're claiming him off waivers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was. That was probably the funniest part of the entire deadline. Um, honestly, was the fact that the uh, Leafs got screwed over again. Um, how do we feel about the acquisition of uh, Giordano and Blackwell from Seattle for those guys? I think it's good for them. I think that, you know, it's one of the smarter things they could have done. I mean, they didn't give up a ton of assets and they're reuniting one of the better defensive pairings in the league that the league has had over the past decade with uh, Giordano and Brody. That's right. They played together in Calgary. That's right. Yeah. You know, and um, Colin Blackwell is going to be good for him. Um, you know, he's another like Evan Rodriguez, Swiss Army knife type player that can play up and down that lineup. And honestly, with how desperate they are, I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing with Nylander and Tavares trying to just see if they could spark something. I mean, yeah, you kind of have to try something at this point. I mean, I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't think Nick Robertson's bad up there, but like, you know, everybody's going to run that narrative of, oh, he just doesn't fit up there. He's too small or whatever. I mean, look at his brother, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. I mean, his Brother brother's White. one of the best pure snipers in the NHL right now. Yeah. You White know, it's going to, it's it'll come together at some point, but I don't know. What were you going to say? I was just looking at some of the other teams that, uh, Made a lot of moves here. Uh, Seattle basically just dumped their whole team. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. They, cleaned um, they cleaned house essentially. They did. They got, Washington uh, made a good trade, though. Um, I think Johan Larson's going to be good for him. But uh, go ahead. I was going to talk about uh, Johansson, the other guy that they, that they sent out to Washington. Yeah. For, for Daniel Sprong as well. I mean, that's a good depth piece for the Capitals. And, I mean, I think it's going to be a good thing for Obi and Backstrom because they both came up with him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's one of the original Caps guys, you know. And, I mean, 
you know, I've, I feel like we've been preaching positional flexibility. I mean, we know Johansson can play all three center spots or all three forward spots and he can definitely move up and down the lineup for them given how skilled that roster is. You know, like I could see him playing a wing with Sherry and uh, or with Sherry and Lars Eller and looking, not looking out of place or, you know, I could just see him being there, being a depth piece, you know, just somewhere in the lineup. But with Johan Larson, him and Garnett halfway together on that fourth line, it's going to be, it's going to yeah, be good stuff. Yeah. Work. I think it's going to, it's going to really work. Um, you know, but honestly, man, like, I mean, there were a lot of, it was a somewhat quiet deadline. Like, it's crazy to think this, but like probably the biggest trade that happened today was Raquel going to Pittsburgh today. Yeah. Cause every, everything else got done days before. I mean, you know, yeah, big, big thing. Was Drew. Yeah. Big one was true. Definitely. But uh, the big thing I want to touch on is the Anaheim ducks cashed out on all their pending UFAs, man. 100%. Like they're setting themselves up for great success here coming up. Um, you know, Drew Hellison's a really good defensive forward or defensive prospect played for USA in the Olympics. And I mean, they have so many second round picks now. Yeah. Like, they, got, ridiculous. they got a first and two second rounders from, uh, from Boston. Yeah. And that's for campus Lindholm. By the way, how do you feel about that contract? It's going to age horrifically. I feel um, Yeah. He wasn't, wasn't great to begin with, but it's, it's hard, man. Like you can't give contracts out to guys like that whenever they're older, you know, I mean, same thing's going to happen with Toronto with Morgan Riley. Although yeah, but he's, I'll I, I like – I think Riley's got more of an upside than Hampus Lindholm does. My yeah, opinion. definitely, because, like, Hampus Lindholm's a more of, a, like, a defensive defenseman type guy. He plays a very rugged style. You know, he honestly – he reminds me a good bit of, like, Mark Edward Vlasic, mm-hmm. where he plays that style where potentially two or three years into this contract, the wheels are going to fall off the bus completely, and they're going to have no choice but to buy him out before that contract does. And also uh... – they dumped off the Ryan Kessler contract too. Yeah, on, that's big for them. Vegas for Evgeny Dadanov. So that was another big one they could do. Where does Vegas go for at this point? Like, what's what is like? I mean, they've got a lot of things going on with that team right now. That was the only trade they made the deadline, and I feel like they had a lot more needs, obviously, but they just couldn't do anything because the team is so they're in such a tough situation right now but like half the team's hurt i think they were clearing space to potentially activate somebody off of ltir because the entire idea was they're gonna have mark stone on ltir the entire time and they were gonna have dadanov as a depth piece in the playoffs but then they started losing a bunch of games realizing that dadanov couldn't replace stone in the lineup and they had no choice uh, other than to make this move but I'll tell you what, though, good on the 
good on the Ducks for being able to recoup a second just out of pure desperation on Vegas's end. I mean, they're dude. They are they're loaded. They have eight second round picks in the next three drafts. I think you can make a case for them. I think them and Montreal probably had the two best uh, deadlines out of anybody. Yeah, Montreal did really, really good. Um, because nobody on this wonderful earth should have given up that many, that many assets for Ben Chirot. Right. But, but they did, you know. Um, I'll tell you what, a very underrated one was getting a second-round pick out of Brett Kulak. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, that is crazy. Because like he was like their number six, he was like their number six guy um, on their defensive group, and I mean, you know, they did pretty good with Lekkinen. Um, could they have gotten more? Probably. I know they were trying to get a first for him because of how good he was for them down the stretch. But I mean, you know, you recouped two first-round picks whenever it seemed like you weren't whenever they went into the year having no first round picks after they trade for Christian Dvorak overreacting over the cock and Emmy offer sheet. I mean, I think that that's good for them. Um, you know, the, um, and I mean, honestly, man, like even though the Canadians have been playing good of late, they're, still going to end up with probably a top three pick in the draft. You know, and I mean, getting one of Wright, Shane Wright, Logan Collier, Matthew Savoy for for this team is going to do wonders for them because they have good pieces, but um, they don't have that true franchise-breaking number one center yet. I think Nick Suzuki is a great number two. but they need to find that number one center to put them over the top. You know? Not to mention that group seems to really be uh, buying into whatever Marty St. Louis is trying to tell them. Yeah. And and Cole Caulfield is more than emerged to like, he's going to like, he's going to be a legitimate uh, asset for that team for a while now. Yeah. Cole Caulfield bought into like the uh, short Kings Bible on how to be a baller. (laughs) Like, that's really where we're at, um, which is, I mean, it's good for them. And the interesting thing about it is they haven't played left wing. Yeah. They're not playing the right side. They have them on that one timer side where he's able to just rip it similar to how Ovi and line do, you know, I really, really like that. I really, really like that for them. Um. I thought they would have tried to move Yoel Armia though, but that might be a summer trade. That might be a draft trade. Yeah. That's one of the, like, like they're in a situation now where they don't need to get rid of this guy at the deadline. You know, they're, that, that one is one that you can put off and wait on. It'll probably still work. Plus they're going to cash out on Jeff Petrie in the summer. Like somebody's going to move the moon and the freaking stars for Jeff Petrie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It From might close. be Pitts. It might be Pittsburgh. <laughs> You don't know. You don't know what the future holds for Crystal Thane. I'm not speaking that into existence, though. I don't want that to happen. But um, 
Definitely. You know, and I got to say the meme of the day was the New York Islanders doing absolutely nothing at all, except for uh, extending Cal Clutterbuck and Zach Parise. Not, not what you need to do at all. I say that the, them and Buffalo were probably the two worst teams at the deadline this year. Well, yeah. Buffalo could have cashed out on some pieces they had. Um, yeah. You know, like somebody could have had Mark Pysik for cheap if they wanted to trade him. Not for cheap, but like they could have recouped like a second round pick for Mark Pysik if they wanted to. Um, yeah, for sure. We had a touch on uh, on another guy that got moved too was uh, Max Domi getting out of Columbus and yeah. getting uh, to Carolina. That was a three team deal. That is. Um, it's a good trade for Carolina. I mean, Carolina is slowly becoming the most irritating team to play against. Um, you know, and in terms of that being the goal, Max Domi just put him over the freaking top. <laughs> you know, because you have D'Angelo, you have Jesper Faust, you have Derek Stepan, Domi now, Vince Trocek, low-key, Vince Trocek's an asshole in terms of being on the ice and playing against. I like same with Kakanyemi. Like it's it's the guys you don't expect at all. Um, you know, and I mean Nino Niederreiter also very difficult to play against, kind of a pest out there. You know, but they're in a good spot. Um, you know, they're probably they're one of the they're probably the best team in the metro right now. Um, you know, with Pittsburgh being a close second. Um, but that, I mean, obviously that all could, that all could flip flop. I mean, who knows what, who knows what's going to happen until we actually see the well, Cowboy. I say, let's get into that. Cause you think Pittsburgh's the second best team in the Metro. You're putting them above New York right now. Yeah. At least for right now, because the only thing that's gotten them to where they're at is Igor Shosturkin and Chris Cryer and Adam Fox. It's literally a three-man bet. Um, but if all these additions work well for them and they do okay, and they, they ha have a good resurg resurgence down the stretch, things might get a little scary. I don't think you're giving uh, Breadman's advantage either, dude. Their due diligence; those guys are playing really well right now. That's true. That's very true. I think those guys are doing what they need to do. I can kind of see your point with the rest of the team. Obviously, I mean, no one's really checking out for Greg McKay. But it's it's hard because it's like outside of the top six, there's nothing. But now they brought yeah. in this. Now they brought in these new guys, and I think that might be all they need to sort of, you know. Well, yeah, they're, they're no longer going to be icing Kevin Rooney as a third-line center, right. um, which is key. You know, like they have some – they had some decent pieces. I mean, Heedle's good. Julian Gauthier's good. And if you're able to mix and match them in with these new guys, you might have something really good cooking up in the lab there. And, I mean, they have really good defensive depth. Um I mean, most of their best prospects that they have in the AHL right now are defensemen, and they are all almost NHL ready, with the exception of Matthew Robertson. So, I mean, there's that. 
but um i don't know it's um it's a toss-up i mean obviously this is something we can probably revisit next month and there's a lot clearer picture on it but like you know the pens and the rangers are a coin flip as it sits right now and um i mean the caps you know they just they know how to make the playoffs yeah what happens beyond that point is a mystery yeah they can go left they can go right with them exactly exactly it's yeah it's like that meme where it's like they could go straight or they make the wide left turn or the wide right turn yeah it's like that um you know, but honestly, it's um, it's interesting. I think, um, you know, and the big thing is, is like down the stretch, like they're going to have these games, like the Islanders are playing a lot better right now. Columbus is a trap game, you know. I mean, who knows what's going to happen when you walk into a random night when you're playing the Canadians. You know what I mean? Like there's there's a lot of trap games on the on some of these teams' schedules from the for the rest of the year. And um, you know, that might be the difference in determining who who's who in the division. But like right now the Rangers and the Penguins are both only three points out of the uh, top spot in the metro. That is still very much up for grabs. If one of those two teams get hot, like we're talking like it's going to be a freaking arms race for who gets that division crown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. I think that's, you can make a case that's probably the most of the competitive division in, uh, in hockey, obviously, like you said, there's a, there's not much uh, breathing room for anyone. I think that that's going to be a, this is going to be a fun few games. And it's like you said, it's those games where you're, where you think, okay, they're supposed to walk away with a W here that might end up tripping some of these teams up and down the stretch here. I'm pretty sure the Rangers have a game in hand on the Penguins too, I believe. So that's nothing I think they have to factor in, but. No, they're, they're all even. The Hurricanes have a game in hand though on both. Okay. So, so that could be something. Yeah, definitely. No doubt. Um, you know, I mean, what else do you, what else do you think? What else you got? I mean, we got it all. It was uh, yeah. a very interesting deadline. Now we're uh, now it's a sprint to the finish. Yeah, exactly. You know, great day though. Ricard Raquel is a penguin, and uh, it's pretty much that's pretty much it. All right, guys, this has been another episode of Four Checking TV. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Four Checking TV, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you, guys, and good night.